When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On the Crimson Tide Sports Network, from Learfield IMG College, this is the Roll Tidecast, the official podcast of Alabama Athletics. Here's Roger Hoover. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover, and in this latest edition of the Roll Tidecast, I sit down with softball standout Montana Fouts, who is back for her sophomore season at the Capstone. We also visit with Jenny Mons, who is in her 24th season as the head coach of the Alabama women's tennis team. Montana gets us started, talking about a magical rookie season, playing with Team USA this past summer, and what it's like to pitch between the cinder blocks at Alabama. Visiting with Montana Fouts as we get closer to the start of the softball season in Montana. For you, this is, uh, of course, Team 24 for Alabama softball, but for you, it is year two in this Crimson Tide program. Just how excited are you for the start of 2020? You know, um, we're really excited. We've just been working really hard um, this past fall and the whole team. We're really excited to get back out there. I'm sure last year was kind of a whirlwind for you. What were your expectations as a freshman and then as the season went along? How did you deal with a lot of the success you had? I guess even though it was my freshman year, I've been watching college softball since I've been growing up, honestly, and just being out there and just doing the best that I can, just doing the best that I can for our team. And I guess towards the end of freshman year, just realizing that it's the same game that we've played since – I was five years old. The game doesn't really change, and no matter the stage that you're on. And my teammates helped me realize that. You know, they have always had my back. Were there some good moments for you early in the season where, of course, you're still dealing with the butterflies of pitching in college for the first time, but seeing what worked for you in high school, what's worked for you uh, in all your summer tournaments, things like that, seeing that it worked in the college game, what did that mean to you? Um, it meant a lot just because, you know, you don't really – know what to expect, especially in the SEC or weekend to weekend. Um, every team can be different, and each team can easily like humble everything that you just thought that you did. So I guess 
for example, I guess one would be like when we played at Arizona, I feel like our team did really well that weekend and that gave us some confidence like moving forward. And then also you had to miss a little bit of time with injury last year. How do you feel like you bounced back from that later in the second half of the season? Just trusting everything that you've done like leading up to that and during the time off just like realizing like you can work on other stuff like your mental game. I feel like that's something that I've worked on a lot and that the staff and everything that has helped me. Um, I feel like that's a huge part of the game even when I get back to playing. Yeah, what did you notice when you were on the bench watching Sarah, watching Crystal and what they were doing? Um, you know, just like the little things that I that can make me better too. Um, the things that they do that I don't that help them and their pitches. Like they have different pitches that don't work so well for me and just like being able to pick up on stuff like Crystal's change up or like maybe like Sarah's rise ball and like, like see, I mean she's got some really good, a great drop ball and a really good off speed. So. We each have like a little bit something different that we can help each other on. And that's got to be a real comfort for you guys as well. And you guys are such good teammates. You know, sometimes when you get a pitching staff like that, you could be always looking over your shoulder with the first walk or the first hit you give up. But it seems like you guys have confidence in each other and help each other out more than most pitching staffs I've seen in softball. Yeah, I would really say that we we complement each other well, but we're really great. Like we're really close with each other. So it's. Not like, what can I do for myself? It's like, what can I do for the team to make us better? Um, so no matter who's on the mound, like you're cheering 100% and you're just as happy as like it was you out there. What have you liked about uh, pitching here in Tuscaloosa? Obviously, Rhodes House is such a fun place to play, as we've talked about before. But what does it mean to you when you have that kind of injury, in, energy in the building with two strikes and you know everyone wants that strike three? I mean, they're definitely, they give us a lot of momentum. Exactly every two strikes, you know, they're clapping, giving everything that they have. So it just makes us want it. You know, obviously we want it for our team, but obviously it wants us to even more for them. So. And you got to be excited. A lot of 2020 is going to be spent at home here in Tuscaloosa in the brand new Rhodes House. Yeah, it's going to look great. They're working really hard, and we're not really supposed to be, like, looking at everything in the clubhouse. But um, from the outside, it all looks great, and we're really excited. So there's going to be a big reveal where you guys are going to get to go in and kind of check it all out. Yeah, we're really excited for that. (laughs) Well, that will certainly be good. And after the season was over last year, a great opportunity for you to be with Team USA. What did you learn in your time uh, playing for the Red, White, and Blue? Um, It was an honor to be able to play for them. Just putting on the jersey and just seeing USA was kind of like surreal for the first time. And being able to play with all those girls from across the country like that you hear about but you don't really know them like personally and we got really close um the whole summer and it was great especially because Skylar Lexi and future teammate Bailey's on the team um it was really cool to see Skylar um I feel like she just has progressed since freshman year like as a hitter and a defense and honestly her mental game too I feel like she's just gotten so much better and then watching Lexi I mean like I know Bailey's talked to y'all about that but she's just she's really awesome and I'm really excited to see what she does yeah and Skylar too Alabama's really gonna rely on her this season with the injury to Claire do you think how do you feel like she's gonna step up into that role I feel like Skylar is an awesome leader and that she's just gonna take take advantage of being able to help um, the younger freshmen or whoever's playing in the infield with her and just being able to help lead them because I feel like that she's she's very good vocal and she leads by example very well Experience for you with the junior national team for Team USA, but also a look at towards the 2020 Olympics. What was that experience like? And uh, just learning the news that you would not be on the team. How did you handle that? Uh, well, the tryout was awesome just because I got to be around so many great players that played, like like Kat Alsterman, Monica Abbott, and some younger ones that I've like grew up watching. Um, just knowing that they were like, I mean, they really are the best, and just being able to pick their brains a little bit. Um, and being around like even the other position players, just hearing them like talk and like just the things that they say, and then also realizing that they're like we're the same, 
you know what I mean? Like they're just, I know they're an awesome softball player, but like we all put our pants on the same way, you know, as I say. And then I guess when I heard that I didn't make it, I just, I knew that I was coming back to the best, the best university that you can come to and just being with my best friends again. So I wasn't heartbroken because I'm going to try again later. So. And you know there's something great to play for this season for, at Alabama, yeah, I'm sure. Exactly. It helps that out. So you mentioned uh, getting to be around Kat Osterman, Monica Abbott. Now, how soon were you able to get to that realization? Like you said, uh, we all put our pants on the same way. We're all teammates working for the same goal. But I'm sure as a softball fan, you had to be really excited to meet them for the first time. Yeah, for the first, it was so weird just because we were in the, like, we were just putting our cleats on. We we're about to warm up, like, all together. And uh, actually, I remember the first time we were all in the same meeting. It was the night before the first tryout. And then they were, like, calling roll because everybody was in there, all the coaches and everything, and just hearing, like, Monica Abbott was like the first name and I was like wow just like a pinch me moment but I guess since we were pitchers me Monica and Kat were the three pitchers that like didn't really hit we didn't have to be the field like the whole time so like they would like we would drive separately to the field so I'd like be riding in their cars and be like at first it was like oh my gosh I can't believe like I'm like riding (laughs) with these with these girls but then like we would just have like normal conversations just like if they were on my if they were on my team so yeah, and it's been over 10 years since Monica Abbott pitched for Tennessee in the SEC. Do you hope you can have a career like she's had? Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. I mean, she's she's a phenomenal pitcher, and she works really hard, so it's definitely something I look forward to. Well, she's someone certainly you can uh, learn from in a situation like that, but here in Alabama, Stephanie Van Brake will pro through it. There's so many things I'm sure you can learn from her. Oh, yeah, of course. Stephanie, she, I mean, obviously Steph had a great uh college career and then after that she did awesome so like that makes all of us trust her but she also knows like what to say to each pitcher because I mean we're all so different but she also knows like how to like vocalize like what she wants us to do like her expectations towards us very well um, and I think that helps us a lot. There was a viral video that went out last year about you uh, pitching in between cinder blocks what can you tell us about that exercise and were you surprised at all the reaction that got around Twitter? Yeah honestly I was I was a little bit su- surprised just because I feel like we did that almost like every every practice and I feel like um this year I feel like we're do pretty well with that little pitching exercise so I was I was surprised um that it went viral but it's fun I, it's one of my favorite things to do so again the center blocks make up the strike zone you got to get it right in there and that's one of the best visual aids I bet you can have yeah I, I think a lot of times during the season we would talk about it um just being like the center blocks are right there like just don't throw it over the middle <laughs> what are the pitches that you throw and what are you trying to do with each pitch um, I guess for like a fastball. I mean, fastball is my favorite pitch, and just realizing that like you can put it like a ball on half ball, like just getting it off the plate, and you can move the center blocks a little bit, just getting it off. And then for curve, I guess is another pitch that I like to throw with it, just starting it on the plate, but then like letting it finish off. Um, and then if like you have a batter in there and getting to start a certain way and get in, just yeah, a lot for different pitches. You obviously have very strong fundamentals with all of those, but did you tinker with anything in the off season with your pitches? Yeah, I just worked on different stuff and like trying new things, um, like different off speeds, different stuff for different pitches, just trying to get a little bit better at each of them. And now you're getting ready for this season. Uh, we mentioned uh, with Bailey when I talked to her before that uh, it really helps her getting to go up against this great Alabama pitching staff uh, every day in practice in the fall and leading up to the season. What does it do for you getting to go up against hitters like Bailey and a really stacked Crimson Tide lineup? I mean, that's it's everything just because I feel like um, we can just get ready. I mean, we have scrimmages a lot, especially starting this weekend, I think, and just being able to p- pitch against hitters like Bailey because, like, if you do well or, like, she can give you awesome feedback. We were talking about it yesterday. 
and she was catching a bullpen and we were talking about how she can just be like, hey, like I saw this on your changeup and like she can help us, not just like she hits it and it's like, oh, well, I just need to work on that. Like she's able to give us like feedback and some girls on the team can do that. And like she said, we're really lucky that she's on our team and we don't have to face against her. So. Of course, and Alabama, again, preseason number one, picked to win the SEC. How do you try to manage those expectations and also manage the expectations surrounded around you for a breakout sophomore year? Um, I guess just realizing, like, last year we, um, for all, especially all the people that were here last year, just putting that and using that as experience and confidence, but that, that was a separate year. So, like, each year can be different, and you just got to prepare the same way or even harder and work harder towards each team that you play. Um, yeah, that's what I would say, just keeping it each game at a time. Away from the softball field, what do you want Crimson Tide fans to know about you? Oh, I don't know. Um, I guess I'm a pretty good dancer, I'd say that. What do you say? Best on the team? <laughs> I would say best on the team, yeah. <laughs> a pretty good dancer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Outside of softball, that's it. Yep. That's one of your main hobbies. Um, yep, dancing. <laughs> Well, again, as we start to wrap things up, uh, just what's your message to Alabama fans? What do you want to see first time you pitch at Road Stadium this year? Um, I, we're definitely looking for a full crowd, especially with all the renovations. It's going to be um, a great feeling just to look out there and see all of them um, supporting us each game. I know they will. I know everybody that I've ran into have said that they're coming to all the games, so I'm really excited about that. Well, Montana, thank you for joining us. Best of luck on your sophomore season. Roll Tide. Thank you. Roll Tide. I think we're all looking forward to seeing where this season takes Montana and the Crimson Tide. Next, we talk to Jenny Mines, the longest tenured head coach currently on the Crimson Tide staff. She shares how the toughest moments in Alabama's storied tennis history always led to its biggest triumphs, as well as her coaching tree, which includes a good bit of the SEC, among other top spots in the country. First of all, Coach, I know this is always an exciting time of the year. What's it like just getting the season started, and what do you like about your team so far? I love this team. I think it's a special group, and we're very, very veteran-heavy. It's um, We have four seniors on our team, which is very unusual for an eight-person team. Um, it's, it's a great group. They work well together, uh, have a lot of respect for each other. Uh, we had a, a good year last year, and I think we'll have an even better year this year. And a big part of that is not necessarily just our, our talent base, but it's just the way they work together. There's a maturity level and a leadership level and just a mutual understanding with all of them that is really impressive. And in all my years of coaching, this is no doubt one of the special, most special groups that I've worked with. So I, I'm very excited to see what we can do because that we've got some young ones too, but the older players have done a great job of integrating them and just kind of helping them along. So that's where you are in 2020. But when you first came to Tuscaloosa, what was the situation you were walking into? And first of all, what was your background prior to getting to Alabama? Well, I, I kind of fell into coaching after I played at the University of Houston. I finished in four years and wasn't really certain what I wanted to do. I was going to start my master's degree in kinesiology and exercise science and kind of fell into college coaching at Houston. Had a, a good experience and really decided that that's, I think, where my heart was. So from Houston, I went to Florida State to be the assistant coach at Florida State for three years. Uh, had an incredible experience, just absolutely fell in love with college coaching and 
just mentoring and leading, you know, young young people. And uh, of course, the I'm passionate about tennis, so that it kind of all fit together. And then I got my first opportunity at, uh, in 1995 to go to University of Iowa. Uh, I was 25 years old and uh, headed out to Iowa City and had a tremendous experience there in the Big Ten. I uh, loved Iowa, loved just everything it stood for with the student-athlete welfare, and uh, they were very good to me and really kind of took a chance on a young coach with no head coaching experience at the time. And I was there two years, 95 to 97, and then in uh, June 1st of 1997, I started at the University of Alabama. I've never looked back. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's certainly been a great, a great ride and um, great pathway. A lot of great program or people along the way. And we're certainly glad you did come here uh, back then. Uh, when you mentioned when you took over at Iowa, only 25 years old. That's only a few years older than some of your players. What was that dynamic like? And what were some of the uh, toughest lessons for a young coach uh, to get on the on-the-job training like you did? Well, I was. I mean, really, I was only two, three years older than the seniors on the team at the time. And it's funny because I remember back then I used to train with them, run with them. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I wasn't very much older than them and it, I was pretty tough on them. I think I, I knew I had to be at that, at, you know, at that age, but um, I, it was a great experience. I mean, I, I, I think one really good thing about it is I could, it was very relational because I had just finished college tennis not very many years before. Um, but we had a good team. It was a great experience. I remember going there and just, um, I, didn't know what to expect. I remember one day sitting at my desk at Iowa, I closed the door and I thought, oh my gosh, you know, am I ready for this? And, uh, you know, a lot of it would just was learning along the way, you know, making mistakes and figuring out. I think if I could go back now, obviously years of wisdom and experience, there's certainly some things that I would handle differently, but um, I was I was pretty tough, you know, and, and you know, I think as a young coach, I. I had a lot to learn, but um, I pushed them. I mean, I pushed them. And we got the most out of them. I mean, uh, the year that I left Iowa, they made the, back then, the NCAAs was the final 20 teams. The year after I left with the same team, they made the final 20 and made NCAAs. So I'd like to think that I had a lot to do with that and that um, all that hard work and that my first signee, my two first signees at Iowa ended up being standout players making NCAAs and having stellar careers at, at Iowa. So um, I think I, I, you know, I love building. That's one of the things as a coach I love to do. And I think I'm good at it, just putting the bricks together and uh, that strong foundation. Uh, I think that comes from my past, but just doing it the right way, doing it the hard way, uh, but just laying those bricks with a lot of integrity and a lot of character. And I think that's my strength. Is that what stood out to you about the opportunity here at Alabama? Yes. Yes. But ironically, at the time I didn't realize when I signed on to come to Alabama, I interviewed on May 8th, 1997, obviously accepted the job and I'll circle back with that but a big a big reason why I came to Alabama was because Joey Rive was the head men's tennis coach here at Alabama and he was the assistant at Florida State when I was there so 
you know, we had a mutual friendship and, and he said, you know, you need to come to Alabama and be a great opportunity. So that kind of helped me get to Alabama. But, but that, you know, that was a, a big part of it at the, at the time is why I came. And what was, what did the roster look like when you first got here? Well, between May 8th and June 1st, we lost a couple players to injuries. Uh, the, the team was decimated by the time I got here on June 1st. Uh, we had one player tran- two players transfer, one player quit, two players got injured. So when I actually walked in the door, I had four scholarship players to work with. And in jest, I thought to myself, gosh, it's not that bad, is it? You know, <laughs> I haven't started yet. Give me a chance, you know. But, I mean, I just think it was such a big transition for those players um, it took a long time to kind of get things to kind of shake out. But uh, our number one player who was very good at the time, Bailey Camino, transferred to Florida, um, ended up making NCAAs the first, in 97 when I came. Um, and then uh, a couple other players just, you know, either went their own ways or we had one player tear her ACL or in, um, her ACL knee. We had one player have rotator cuff surgery, Celia Matthew. Dominique Glensler tore her knee. So I, it was just, it was incredible. I've never seen anything like it, just one thing after another. How'd you stay positive? How'd you not get overwhelmed that summer getting ready for the fall? Well, I was completely overwhelmed to be forthright. You know, <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't be? But you know, I think you just stay the course. You keep working. I mean, that's what you're, that's what we do. You know, you, nothing's easy. I mean, I think, you know, funny looking back now, I think how in the world did I get through that? But strong faith, uh, belief in myself, belief in, in what we were doing as, as a coaching staff and as a program. And, you know, I think a lot of times when hardships happen, we all have a tendency to look at all the bad, you know, sort of the bad things. But what you have to realize is you work from the inside out. So in that time period, all the players that were staying the course, believing in in the system, believing in the program, you know, just working hard and working through all the difficult times. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, they're to be commended for for their steadfast mentality and, and their faith and their you know, confidence in, in the coaching staff. So that's kind of, I think, what we did at the time was just, you know, work from that inside out, that strong core, even if it was only a couple players. But still, they certainly deserve to, they deserved our best. And what were the steps that you had to take after that to really field a competitive roster? Oh, gosh, we went to sororities. We went to PE classes. I remember making flyers. Roots Woodruff helped me uh, make flyers, and and he was my confidant. I mean, we gosh, he he helped me through a lot of a lot of those times where we just looked at each other like, what are we going to do? But um, the coaching staff, and I think the the support staff at Alabama, you know, we just we kind of got a plan together. I went to sororities and asked who had played a couple years of high school tennis, PE classes, the same and re- literally recruited out of them. I remember sitting down, you know, at the rec courts and watching the players in PE class and think, oh, she might be able to make it, she might. And that's what we did. We put a team together, we, the four scholarship athletes, and then I recruited four or five walk-ons. And I've said this many times publicly, but those walk-ons saved our program. And uh, Heather Jaros, Scotty Butcher, Courtney Kidd, Carrie Higgins was on the – uh, the 
women's soccer team with Don Staley at the time, and she had a couple years of past experience. Um, Jesse, uh, from she lives in Birmingham now. Uh, Jesse White was their maiden name. I think it's Rayborn now, but uh, we had f- five of them, and they saved our program. And we had to we had to play twelve matches with at least five players to maintain Division One status. And at one point, we were so thin that I had to contact the NCAA and find out what the the requirements and regulations were so that we could maintain Division One status. And I had to beg some of the walk-ons to stay on for us so that we could meet that deadline, you know, that requirement and stay Division One. That's incredible. It was rough. And especially, you're not only just competing in NCAA Division One, but you're competing in the Southeastern Conference. And even you guys had a match against Florida where I believe you were going up against two players that have been in the U.S. Open before. And you guys were just rolling out the walk-ons just trying to stay afloat. Well, the first time we were supposed to go play Florida, we had four or five players. And the head coach at Florida, Andy Brandy at the time, he's now the men's coach at LSU, he said to me, Jenny, don't, don't worry about coming and playing us. Don't, you don't, don't worry about it. He said, when you get six players, call me back and you can come play us. And I was like, wow. And I thought to myself on that day, we're going to play them. We're, we're on the schedule. We're part of the Southeastern Conference and we're going to play them, you know, come heck or high water. So we did. We got six players, went to Florida and I'll never forget, uh, Bonnie Bleeker was playing down on the last court at Florida in Gainesville. And one of our players, Scotty Butcher from New Orleans, she was wearing running shoes. <laughs> and she was playing Bonnie Bleeker, who actually, I think, played in a lot of the Grand Junior Grand Slams, not just the U.S. Open. And I remember Bonnie Bleeker hitting big shots, and Scotty Butcher just would was sitting there watching her in awe, like, that's amazing, and clapping for her when she'd hit a good <laughs> shot. Scotty never took a changeover. She'd just she'd grab a quick sip and then jog to the next. You know, it was almost just like a running on a track where she was running in circles. I don't even know if she won more than five points. I, I, she might have gotten three points. But again, you know, you look at that and now we kind of you know laugh. But what an amazing just the the mentality that those the the team and those walk-ons had to even have the courage and the bravery to to go play there um i remember one of the florida fans standing up and leaning over the the railing and saying this is the fastest match in in you know (laughs) sec history you know we were in and out of there in uh, less than an hour and a half with all matches combined but that's part of the story and, and, you know, it was very difficult to endure, but at the same time, too, I love it. I love that that's part of the history and, and that's our past. And, you know, it's we've prided our program on that. That's where we came from. When I walked in in 1997, that's where we were. And then we climbed to number two in the country and won the SEC in 2014. And I'll tell you, I had a lot of SEC coaches that were watched from the beginning or were still coaching in the SEC from that whole time period that came up to me and just said, this is unbelievable. We've never seen anything like this. And they were genuinely happy for our team and our program in Alabama. And I believed that. I mean, I believed that in my heart that, you know, 
quite a story. It certainly is. And you go from all that instability to where we are now. Your longest tenured coach is currently on staff here at Alabama, third longest tenured in the SEC. That's what's got to make you so proud is that the program did find that sustainability that you were looking for back then. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, at the time, that's not what I was thinking. I was really just trying to get through one practice at a time, you know, one day at a time, one practice at a time. And certainly 23 years later, it's it's pretty amazing. But, you know, I think, um, Roger, the, the big thing, I mean, I certainly credit all the people that have been involved in our program in every capacity, from past players who, you know, wore the A with so much pride and, and had to really, really battle through some very difficult times, not just going through college tennis and battling, you know, their normal, typical things that they're going to go through day to day, but you know, my first four years, we didn't win. We didn't win at all. I mean, my first three years, we didn't win an SEC match. I mean, we were 0-21 my first year. My second year, I believe we won five matches. And my third year, we won seven matches, but no SEC matches. Mal Moore calls me in after year three. I'm starting year four, and I'll never forget it. I, I love Mal Moore. And Mal Moore looked at me, and he said, Jenny, he goes, I really like you. He's like, you are, you're special. And he said, I don't know any other tennis coaches. I want to keep you. Wow. He said, but you have to win in the SEC. And I remember walking out the door and I called my parents and I was like, you know, I told them, told them about the meeting. And I remember talking to Adam Steinberg, the men's tennis coach. And, you know, I thought, you know, at, at that point I made a decision. I gave it to God. I, I just, I thought, I'm pushing too hard. I'm talking about winning too much. These kids are giving me everything they have. They they were giving me every ounce that they had. We just weren't there yet. But we were doing the right things. You know, our first my first sign class was Rebecca Baum from Alabama, Jenny Ketchum from Franklin, Tennessee, uh, Whaley Chang from Florida. Uh, and, and Celia Matthew was in the program at the time. And, I mean, she was, you know, that fourth player. And I remember thinking that's, that's what we're, we're building on four Americans that are from the southeast that are buying in and want to be part of it. I mean, my first signee was she's from Gadsden, Alabama. I still stay in touch with her. Her dad still joins the Booster Club every year. I mean, that's incredible. That was 23 years ago. But I knew we were doing the right things, but it wasn't showing. And I remember in that fourth year, we went to play Florida State, and it came down to Jenny Ketchum and Stephanie Leong's doubles match, and they found a way to win it. And I remember picking up the phone and calling my parents and said, (laughs) we're going to be okay. Okay, so I'm going to take you real quick to the first SEC match in that fourth year. We're playing Mississippi State indoors at the old indoor tennis facility that was located next to football. It's um, it's the football practice field right. now, the extended <clears throat> one. So we're playing Mississippi State. There's a tornado. We start the match outside. It's terrible, tumultuous weather. We We move indoors, and we're playing Mississippi State. They're better than we are. They're better than we are ranking-wise. They're better than we are on paper. And I'll never forget my assistant coach at the time, David Anderton. He uh, he was an incredible – he's Canadian, incredible young man, incredible coach. And he we went to lunch the day before, and David Anderton says to me – he called me boss. And he said, boss, when we win our first SEC match tomorrow against Mississippi State – 
He said, I'm gonna have my running shoes by the door. And he said, I want you to enjoy it. I want you to celebrate it with the team. And he said, as soon as we clinch and win, I'm gonna go put on my running shoes and I'm gonna go on a run. And I thought to myself, he is absolutely convinced that we are gonna win our first SEC match tomorrow. And it played out just like that. And we won indoors. And I remember Celia Matthew, little Indian player, doing high knee skips in the indoor and going and high-fiving the, the fans that were down at the end. And we won that match convincingly. I mean, I mean decisively. It was, they were in, Alabama was in command. And Dave Anderton put on his, put, put on his running shoes and went on a run. <laughs> And we won a lot of SEC matches, you know, moving forward. You mentioned the support from Coach Moore, the athletic director at that time. What about the other head coaches on this campus? What kind of support were they giving you during that time? They, everyone gave me a lot of support. You know, I mean, I, uh, I think everybody knew that we were struggling, and uh, Sarah Patterson was great, and, you know, Patrick Murphy at the time was here, and uh, our men's tennis coach, Adam Steinberg, was incredible. He was so good to me and so supportive and he, I mean, he really, he saw us every day. He saw the work that we were putting in. So he certainly could identify that, you know, we were doing the right things and that it would come to, you know, in time. But, you know, Sarah was great. I mean, she just, you know, she, she mentored me and I, and David Patterson, I remember talking to them and, um, Patrick Murphy at the time, you know, softball, we, all of our schedules are so different, but, um, you know, everybody was, was good to me. I mean, there, there's nobody was kind of like, oh gosh, you know, what's going on in women's <laughs> tennis? But the whole support staff, I mean, our trainers, John Moore, who used to be here, and Kathy Elliott was our academic advisor back then. Um, that is one of the greatest things about being at the University of Alabama is the people. And we, we have special people here, and they've always believed in us. And I believe Coach Moore believed in me. I really do. I mean, I, I know he did. I, if he didn't, he would have let me go long before we got to that point. And I think they also knew that we were doing it the right way, with the right kids, with the right character, with the right integrity, with the right sportsmanship. Because it's not easy. It's not easy to find those. those it, I can go find good tennis players. But are they going to be the right kids that come in with the right mentality, the right you know, attitude? And, and we did. Those kids to this day are incredibly successful. They're just, they're special. And they set the foundation for what has become a championship program. And a lot of that as well is based off the strength of the assistant coaches you've had. And you got to be thrilled when you look at your coaching tree that you've had over the years that now there are so many coaches that have had time with you here at Alabama. Now we're doing great things around the college game. Well, that's a huge part of the success of our, our program, you know, through time. I mean, it's just all of the wonderful people and, and namely the assistant coaches that have been involved with the program. And it's all of them. It's from start to finish. Um, you know, I sent the, you know, the coaching tree, which is, is incredible, really. Anybody that's been affiliated with our program at the University of Alabama has gone on and, and really, really done well in collegiate coaching at, you know, at really the highest level. I, uh, Kevin Epley won the SEC title last year. You know, he was with us in my second year in 1998, 1999, 
you know, he just won the SEC championship. And, I mean, his program is, is, is incredible. But I think the, the, the takeaway is all of the assistant coaches that have been involved in this program, all of them, every single one of them, have made a profound impact in this program. And they've taught me probably far more than I taught them. They have, you know, with the, with the team. And tennis, it's, it's so different because there's six courts going on in a dual match. There's not one ball. There's not one court. There's not one field. I mean, we're spread out on six courts. Can you imagine? And, you know, and then with doubles, three more courts. So you have to rely on your assistant coach to, in every capacity, not just to be a proficient coach, but to be saying the right things to them on and off the court, to be mentoring them and leading them in the right ways. And I just, I really, I had a lot of faith in, in our assistant coaches. And I think that it's obviously you see now that they're all doing great things. I'm not a stat person necessarily, but gosh, Allison Ojeda at Tennessee is doing a commendable job. Obviously, Kevin Epley, I mentioned. Jennifer Hyde at, at Florida State. I mean, she got their program up into the top 10 and uh, played in the quarterfinals. I mean, she's contended for a couple ACC championships. Um, you know, Eduardo Rentcon is, is the coach at Presbyterian now, but he, he, he was an assistant men's coach at, at uh, Arkansas for, I think, four or five years. Raheem Esmail is the head men's coach at Sanford, and he's been there a long time. I don't my years run together, but he's been there a long time and he's been successful. Drake Bernstein is the associate head coach at Georgia. Um, Sasha Schmidt, she's not part of the coaching tree here at Alabama, but Sasha Schmidt played number one for me at Iowa in my first year and then became the head coach at Missouri when they started the program. And so I'm sitting at a SEC coaches meeting. There's Kevin Epley at South Carolina, <laughs> Sasha Schmidt from Missouri, Allison Ojeda at Tennessee, Daryl Greenan from Mississippi State, Drake Bernstein from Georgia, and they've all been at Alabama. It's starting to rival Coach Saban's coaching. Yeah, I don't know. I'm <laughs> not, not in that. Many. But in the SEC, it's very similar for him. I'm Competing not... week after week against his former guys. Right. I'm not in that conversation. That's that's. <laughs> well, I'll beyond... put you in. <laughs> yeah, that's beyond my my pay grade. But um, but I it's just it it means a it it means a great deal to me because it means to me that something special happened while they were at Alabama, that they wanted to keep coaching, that they wanted to keep helping young people reach their full potential on the tennis court, off the tennis court, in their personal lives, in their, you know, social lives. And, but that they wanted to excel, that they wanted to push, that they had that drive. And, I, again, I, I can't say it enough. All of the people, all of the assistant coaches from – you know, Jennifer Hyde was my first, and then it went to Kevin Epley, and I can, you know, go down. They, 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 all, they all had an integral part of the success of this program. And I will say this, even, even some of the assistant coaches that were here during rougher time periods from a perform, performance standpoint or result standpoint, um, Eduardo Rentcon being one of those, he, it, you know, in his time period here, it's there's no question that his impact made a significant in, impact not just on on well on me personally and my coaching you know but also on the player with the players on the team i mean not everybody's going to walk into the door 
and the table is set and dinner's <laughs> ready and you know there's a hot meal on the on the table everybody and that's I think that's a big thing that I've learned in coaching is that uh, you know there's a plan and and there's a reason for everything and they all come in and out of your lives at a at a special time just like the players do uh, my dad got sick he had ALS and he was diagnosed on November 7th of 2005, and he passed away on January 15th of 2009. Mm -hmm. So in that time period, the players and the assistant coaches that were involved in our program, there is without a doubt that God placed them in my life to help, help me through it and to help Alabama through it, and we certainly most assuredly got through it. But a special former player that is now a head coach is Shelly Godwin, and her, J Jadon now, but Shelly Godwin, who is from Enterprise, Alabama. Shelly was a freshman when my dad was first diagnosed with ALS in November um, 05, and then Shelly graduated in 09. And she was a huge part of our program at Alabama then came back to be an assistant coach for three years. She helped restore the culture in our program, which we very much needed, and she was absolutely an integral part of that um, and a big reason why we could make that turnaround. And now she just won conference at James Madison last year in her first year back as a Division One coach. She had been a head coach at Middle Tennessee for four years and was very successful there then came here to help me unselfishly and help our program and then went back to be a head coach and win championships. So incredible, incredible. and yeah. quick story on that, because if I would be remiss if I did not tell this story, Roots is smiling here. But so remember June 1st, 1997, I take the head coaching job at out. It's my first job at Alabama, first day at Alabama. So I'm staying at the Hampton Inn University that's our go-to hotel. I'm staying there because I don't have a place to live. It's June 1st. I have my Alabama polo on. I only had one of them. I'm sitting down at breakfast, and at the adjacent table is a father and a, a daughter, a young daughter. So I'm sitting there eating my breakfast by myself. I don't know anyone. It's my first day at Alabama. The father starts a conversation with me and looks like you work at Alabama and what you're you know, what are you doing? What's your story? So we start talking. He introduces me to his daughter. So his daughter was in gymnastics camp with Sarah Patterson. So that's why she was, was there. And they were staying at the hotel and she was doing the gymnastics camp. So when her, when the daughter gets up, we, we shake hands and say goodbye. And the they walk away and the father later tells me that in the daughter didn't play tennis and didn't really know anything about tennis. And the daughter says to the father, I'm going to play tennis at Alabama for her one day. It was Shelley Godwin. How about that? That's very full circle. My only addition full circle is she married my former roommate, Jared. But oh, that's, <laughs> that's incredible. The only other topper I can have to that. But He's a special person. He certainly is. Great people. Glad for their success. Um, and again, for what you have done here at the University of Alabama, from all the instability in those early years to getting Alabama to a championship level, and now a coaching legacy that really a good percentage of the SEC are your former assistant coaches, people you've mentored. You've got to be so proud of the steps you've taken all 
across this journey. And we're certainly proud of the work you've done here at Alabama. So thank, thank you. you for joining us today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. That's an amazing story of perseverance, being in the right place at the right time, and the power of doing things the right way. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Roll Tidecast, and we thank you for spending some time with us. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and let us know things you'd like to hear in future podcast episodes. And now, we leave you with this Crimson Tide moment from head coach Nick Saban. But I want everybody here to know, this is not the end. This is the beginning. This has been the Roll Tidecast, the official podcast of Alabama Athletics. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Crimson Tide Sports Network.